This is loudspeaker. And welcome to Connecting a Better World, where we spend time meeting some of the most incredible human beings who make this world a better place. We will learn how each individual took their ideas, mission, and purpose to create and serve others in business and organizations that surround social good, social entrepreneurship, and social impact, and find out how we, together, can further connect others to help. I am your host, Dr. Natalie Phillips. All right, so I am here today with Taylor Dunlap, Programs Coordinator and Brooklyn Pruder, Hearing Aid Project Administrator for Sertoma and Hearing Charities of America. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. Thanks for having having us. us. This is going to be fun. Um, This is close to my heart as an audiologist, and so I'm so glad that we're able to connect and could just learn a little bit more about what the Hearing Aid Charities is all about and the Hearing Aid Project um, and to get people involved. And, you know, first I'm going to start with just, you know, letting my listeners get introduced to the both of you a little bit more. So, you know, one at a time, whoever wants to go first, tell me a little more about your story and who you are and maybe a little bit more about your background. My name is Brooklyn Pruder. I'm currently a doctoral student at the University of Kansas in their audiology program. Um, So I'm hoping to be an audiologist myself. I'm in my third year, and for those who don't know, audiology programs are typically four years, so a little over halfway there to becoming an audiologist, and I love our field so much. Um, In our school, KU, we partner with the Hearing Charities of America and the Hearing Aid Project, so that's kind of how I got involved. I'm just one of the student employees here, and as the Hearing Aid Project Administrator, I do a lot of different jobs. I've learned working at a nonprofit, we all kind of pitch in. It's a team effort for sure. But I have helped process donations that we get. We collect tons of hearing aid donations. We get so many every single day. So I help process those. I help inform patients on how they can apply to the program. And more recently, I've started helping with recruiting audiologists to get involved as well. Very cool, very cool. All right, um, Taylor. Uh, My background is actually in public health. I kind of came upon Sertoma and Hearing Charities serendipitously, but uh, I've always been interested in nonprofit work from the public health perspective, you know, addressing the environmental factors and other social determinants that contribute to negative health outcomes. That really motivated me to get into public health and help communities at a time as opposed to more of a clinical one-on-one setting. I never really thought I would specifically get into hearing health, but I've learned so much since I've been here and I really love what I do here for sure. How long did you say, Taylor, that you've been with Hearing Charities of America? I have worked here for six months, (laughs) so pretty recent. Yeah, I uh, not a super long time. Brooklyn and I actually started the same day. Oh, so. awesome. So six months for both of you then? Mm-hmm. Okay. So what have you, I'm just going to jump into this, but what have you, what's one thing that you've learned so far about hearing Taylor, most of all? Because I think Brooklyn, you know, 
walking into audiology, it's a little bit different, right? You have a little bit different outlook. You know, Taylor, I think that with being in public health and then walking into the hearing world and the hearing journey, what's one thing that you just learned about people with hearing loss so far that just draws you into staying in this area? What it really is, is that hearing loss is no different than really any other income-based health issue. Incidence rate is higher in low-income individuals just because, I mean, it's a comorbidity with a lot of other health issues along with the environmental factors that contribute to hearing uh, health issues and just kind of the health disparity there that we see so often in the economic standpoint. Awesome. And then Brooklyn, you going into audiology, what brought you into audiology? I did not, you know, grow up dreaming to become an audiologist. I don't think most of us do. (laughs) Um, I started out in speech language pathology, actually. I realized quickly that really wasn't for me. Um, But SLP and audiology, they oftentimes go hand in hand because they both involve communication. Um, Towards the end of my undergraduate career, I took intro to audiology class and I just thought, I don't know. I just thought it sounded so cool to work with the tech side of things and just help people hear again just sounded so rewarding. So I just fell in love with it right away. And I love working with patients, helping them learn to hear and communicate again. It's great. And so, you know, both both avenues, right, whether it's audiology or public health, right, can lead to more of a profit type of business that you're going to be working at, right? But you guys have chosen the nonprofit route as well. So was there a role model or why did you decide to walk into this area of being part of a nonprofit to be part of, you know, your career or your studies? Yeah, for me, there wasn't really a role model necessarily to get me into nonprofit, but just through my experience in school and working with patients, There are just so, so many who need hearing aids, but just can't afford them. There is such a financial issue in this field. And when I learned that there is a nonprofit out there that really helps bridge that gap for people, I totally wanted to get involved because it's such a huge issue for so many people. And it just breaks my heart when people can't afford hearing aids um, when they could really benefit from them. What about you, Taylor? For me, um, I haven't known anybody with the hearing health issue specifically, but as far as nonprofits go, um, I grew up with a single mom. I mean, I watched her struggle in various ways. And I just think that if we have the opportunity to be in a place where we can help others that we should and that health and happiness shouldn't really be a luxury only enjoyed by some. So I really like the people first mindset when working with a nonprofit. That was really important to me. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk a little bit more about, okay, so Sertoma is a national organization, right? And mm-hmm. it, their mission is to improve the quality of life for those that have uh, are at risk or have been impacted by hearing loss. And they offer college scholarships too, which I thought was very interesting. But how does Hearing Charities of America, how does this National Hearing Aid Project relate to Sertoma? And talk to me a little bit more about each of your roles. Uh, Sertoma is actually one of the oldest service club organizations in the United States. It was established in 1912, um, and like you said, to promote and facilitate community outreach and hearing health specifically. And Hearing Charities was incorporated in 2007, and the Hearing Aid Project launched in 2016. 
And that was developed, you know, with the sole purpose of providing access to hearing aids and hearing health related services that people otherwise couldn't afford. Um, and my role, I didn't mention earlier, is I do most of the application processing to determine individuals are eligible to receive the assistance. And honestly, once people find our program, a lot of times they do qualify. They've done their research, they've explored their options. And when they get to us, a lot of times I feel lucky that we are able to help them, you know, and we do offer actually our financial eligibility criteria is a little bit larger than other programs. So we will meet up to 200% of the local poverty level is how we kind of determine if they're eligible for that. And which is unique in that we go by zip code as opposed to the national average of income. Interesting. Okay. All right. And what about you, Brooklyn? I got into my role a little bit before, but um, for a long time, I was the main person going through our donations. So like I said, we have a room that is just filled to the ceiling with boxes that we get from all over the country of hearing aids. And I help determine um, which ones are worth keeping and which ones we might be able to just recycle. Um, And then we send them off to our lab at the University of Kansas. We have another student there who goes through the process of refurbishing the hearing aids, um, sending them in for repairs that they need, making sure, you know, everything's in good working order. And then they put them in our hearing aid bank that we um, let audiologists take a look at and they can pick the best fit for their patients. Um, So I'm doing that, a lot of data entry to make sure we keep track of everything we're getting. And then I've started helping Taylor with the application process as well. My next question is going to be quite selfish because as an audiologist and as a private practice owner, now, you know, I've had um, people where I've given them applications for different, you know, hearing aid banks, things like that. We do get donations as well. So walk me through the process as a, a an audiologist or as a provider. There's two different steps, right? So let's talk about the process of donating um, hearing aids. So I've got people that come in and donate their hearing aids back to us. Let's say they walk in and say, hey, I've just purchased new hearing aids and I don't know what to do with these. And so um, do you have a an organization that will accept donations? And we usually always take it in because we work with a local organization. But talk to me about how I would get hearing aids over to um, you. And is there some sort of tax write-off form or some sort of um, way to, um, what's the word, you know, just give them kind of like a, uh, a tax write-off amount, right, that is um, used for them. So is there something that I can do as a provider to get my patients to understand what's out there for their donations, first of all? So let's ta- tackle that question first. So we do have an online donation form and we send, and I don't mean to hop around, but we do have an acknowledgement letter that we do send out for uh, tax deduction purposes. As a 501c3, we can't uh, value the donations ourselves. They kind of have to take that acknowledgement letter to their tax professional. Um, but as a 501c3, it is fully tax deductible. Um, and we also have brochures that we send to a lot of our collection centers and audiology clinics that the brochure itself actually turns into a mailing label so they can put their hearing aids inside and just send it directly to us. And The online donation form, along with the brochure, it does ask for their emails, and that's how we get the letters to them. And we can send physical copies as well, of course, but we kind of trying to save the trees. 
if I have a patient who can't afford, you know, um, the newest technology, right, and they do need some sort of funding option, I, we love to have that option as well. So um, what would be the steps that they would take to be able to apply? We don't actually keep the application itself online for applicants to find or potential applicants, I should say. We do send it to them directly. So we have an info at hearing charities that they can reach out to first. And then either Bill Killen, Brooklyn or I monitors that every day. And then we can send them our state-based resources along with the application link. Because as a national organization, you know, we don't want to step on the toes of any local charities doing the work as well. Uh, so we send all that information to them in the first few emails. Okay, awesome. And then, you know, the next step would be like what Brooklyn, what you were saying too, right? When you, when um, KU gets all the hearing aids and you refurbish them, you know, how does the provider then figure out uh, what is available for my patients that I can choose? Because you had mentioned that providers get to kind of choose mm-hmm. what they would like to fit on the patient. So how does that process work as well? Yeah. So once an audiologist is involved in our program and they have a patient they're ready to fit, we send them an online list of all the hearing aids we have with all the specifics, the manufacturer, the model and all that stuff. And that makes it a little bit easier. So, um, you know, you get, do you still get analog hearing aids as well as some of the newer digital hearing aids? Oh yeah. We get everything. We have, we sometimes get some of those on the body hearing aids, like really old stuff. Um, but we also get the new stuff and we try and just keep, I think now we're trying to just have hearing aids that are two years older, newer in our hearing aid bank. So if anything's kind of older, we usually send that off to be recycled. So are there any big projects, you know, this is kind of a one-on-one type of thing or a clinic or provider can reach out, right? Or the individual can reach out. But are there bigger projects that you guys do as far as, um, like, let's say a provider is local and wants to fit multiple people in one day. So it's more of a day thing and getting their staff involved. Is that something that you folks um, do and help support as kind of a project? Or do you also do more um, statewide or even national uh, projects that are bigger and programs? The program, I mean, the hearing aid project itself as a national program, we do try on our partnership agreement form with audiologists, we give them an option at the very bottom to select how many patients that they would like to see. And that can be either people that we refer to them that have applied and then we send them to the audiologist to get fitted with the refurbished hearing aids. But audiologists can also refer their already established patients to us who are low income and we'll help them through the application process and just send those hearing aids directly to the clinic, right to the audiologist. And I mean, we could do that five times a day, you know, there's no limit. However many people that the audiologist wants to fit, we would love to do it, work with that. And then you also mentioned that uh, Sertoma, or would it be Hearing Charities of America, I guess, that would be able to refer to audiologists. Do audiologists have to, um, audiologists, or I should say hearing aid dispensers as well, correct? Um, That they would be able to do that? So hearing instrument specialists can fit as long as there's an audiologist on staff and the malpractice insurance is covered for everybody, essentially. Okay, got it. And then do audiologists or providers, um, when you said that you guys can refer, is there some way that we need to apply or be a provider then for Hearing Charities of America? 
Yeah, we actually, it's going up next week. We're finally having a, a front-facing audiologist form so that they can apply right on our website. Uh, it gives the details of the documents that we ask from them, which is a CV, uh, their audiology license and hearing aid license, a copy of their malpractice insurance, and then that signed partnership agreement form, basically just outlining that we ask them to see the patient three times to fit, dispense, and calibrate the hearing aids. Um, but yes, that form for audiologists who are actively seeking to participate, which would be amazing, <laughs> that's going up next week for sure. Do you have a lot of audiologists that already know about sertoma? I mean, I've heard of it as an audiologist as well, but actually have never been involved and it seems so easy. So do you have a lot of audiologists? Like if listeners are wanting to be involved in some way, what are some things that you guys need to kind of help your program move forward? What we need more than anything is audiologists to get involved. We do have quite a few involved, which is amazing, but... Taylor and I were just talking today, every single day, we get so many phone calls of patients who are in need and we have more patients than we have audiologists that are involved. So if any audiologists are interested in participating, we would love to help them get involved. They just need to reach out. And once we have that form up on the website, they can just go there and fill it out and get involved. Awesome. Is this both um, within the U.S. and also uh, internationally as well? At this time, we are... United States based. We hope to expand as we can, but just right now, uh, yeah, we just work within the United States. All right. So both of you, I know it's only been six months, but, you know, are there any stories or any experiences, you know, in this process so far that may have touched your heart and the reason why you continue to give back in this way? A lot of applicants, they have advocates and family members helping them through the application process. And Anytime I can tell someone that their loved one has been approved for assistance, it's, I mean, the sound in their voice just gets me every time. It's um, even more so than contacting the applicant and saying, hey, you've been approved. Like, we're going to get you fitted with these hearing aids. It's something about their family member or advocate hearing that there's help on the way, essentially. It's priceless. And for me, I have been working a little bit more independently up till now. So I haven't had that direct contact with applicants and that sort of thing. But as an audiology student, I've definitely seen the impact that hearing aids can have. Um, just last week, I had a patient who was very hesitant about getting hearing aids. And when we put them on her, she just started crying because she had no idea how much sound she was missing out on. And then when she came back, she told us, wow, I didn't know water was that loud when I turned on the sink. I didn't know my car made a sound when I turn on the blinker. I don't know. I could hear my grandchildren's voices so clearly. Like those things just really touch your heart. So hearing aids make a huge difference in people's lives. And if we can do anything to help people get them, it makes me so happy. So Brooklyn, you know, being an audiology student, are you having any ideas of what type of audiology and um, the environment or the setting that you're going to be heading into? Like, what are some of your thoughts, especially because you're pretty deeply involved uh -huh. in this project, right? And so um, are you starting to think about, you know, your career and, and what you want to actually include in that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I definitely want to work with adults, um, you know, especially those that are lower income and might not be able to afford hearing aids. I really want to be super involved in the hearing aid project as I practice in the future. Yeah, I've just seen it make a really big difference in people's lives. So I'd love to be a part of that. Will it be private practice or hospital or VA? Potentially, yeah. I have my residency lined up and it's a private practice that is interested in working with us. So I'm excited about that. That's awesome. So for the people that are listening as well that um, think, oh my gosh, you know, because what's really cool, I think, is that hearing is unseen. So like no hearing loss, I should say, is unseen. And so like nobody really knows whether you're hearing well or not until they start to communicate with you. Right. And for me Mm -hmm. as an audiologist, um, it's all about the connection. It's not about getting somebody to to hear better or to listen better. But but if you think about it, it's deeper. Right. It's this connection that they want to make back to their loved ones or back to being able to communicate with somebody, but people don't know that they have this hearing loss, right? So I think that's mm-hmm. that's the part of hearing loss that I love is that um, we're helping people um, because most people don't like to say, oh, I've got a hearing loss, like be assertive, right? And say, oh, I've got a hearing loss. Can you please face me? Or can, you, can we move to a, a quieter area? And so mm-hmm. for people that are listening to this episode, you know, um, the one thing I also did want to... Um, have you guys cover is because a lot of the other organizations that we work with, they, you fill out a, an application and sometimes they have to pay a little bit to get a hearing aid, right? Or, or I know a great um, friend of mine who has a nonprofit that they have to pay in giving back, which means they're, they have to do some philanthropic um, hours in order to earn the hearing aids, right? So is there anything, if somebody applies to get hearing aids, is there a fee or is there other some sort of like exchange that goes on when they get it through the um, hearing aid project? So there's actually not. It's at zero cost. We ask for nothing in return from the hearing aid recipients. Um, we, I mean, there are options if we've had some recipients want to start a personal fundraiser for the organization in the past or, um, spread the word in one way or another, just out of appreciation, but we don't require anything. It doesn't cost anything for the audiologist or applicant. Yeah. So that, I think we're very unique in that. That is very unique and very amazing because some of the, uh, organizations, like I said, that we work with the, applicant that has the hearing loss has to submit financials. And I'm sure that might be a little bit about the application process with you too, but it's calculated, right? The the amount that they pay to the actual organization is calculated based on their financials. And the audiologist also um, gets a little fee. It's almost pro bono work, but there might be a little fee in the fitting as well from the organization. So without that coming in and out of having some different finances, that makes it really lucrative um, for the applicant that has a hearing loss. That's pretty amazing. And it is very unique. I had no idea either about that. Yeah. Yeah. And we definitely acknowledge that the services and time of the audiologists are very valuable and Although we ask them to provide the service pro bono, we do have an option for them to apply for a stipend just to cover those, you know, various fitting fees and everything if they're interested, of course. Now, do you, because I'm thinking, okay, but there still has to be some money involved, right? With 
paying their volunteers or paying people to be able to help run these programs? Do you guys have a bigger event like a gala or some sort of thing where you do get donations um, on a pretty big basis like that? Or is it something that's just on a regular basis? Because connected to Sertoma, people have heard of Sertoma, right? So where are you getting your funding and, and what are your needs surrounding that? And how can people that are listening help out with that as well? Yeah, it is almost entire. I I guess it is entirely donation based, <laughs> and it is more of an ongoing thing throughout the year. A lot of times, people will regularly de- donate hearing aids, and then at the same time contribute a monetary donation as well. That's pretty common. Um, and I mean, people starting personal fundraisers and regular donations is pretty much how we sustain. But like you said, the association with Sertoma is extremely helpful. I mean, that's the parent organization. So as many people who Sertoma has reached or who knows Sertoma, you know, when they donate, they know what what their money is going to. Right. Exactly. Which is nice. Yeah. And it's very hearing based as well. Correct. Sertoma. Yes. So now what is the best way if people are listening to donate? Would they go to Sertoma? Would they go to um, Hearing Charities of America or would they go to the Hearing Aid Project? What would be the easiest thing for you all? Apart from just mailing checks (laughs) um, online, there are portals on hearingcharities.org and hearingaiddonations.org to find ways to uh, either start a fundraiser or just donate straight to the cause. Awesome. Great to know. All right, ladies. So is there anything else that we would, um, that you guys would love to cover just to make sure that people really understand what this organization and what you guys are um, working towards? Is there anything that we missed? It's kind of cliche, but you never really know what people are going through or overcoming in their day to day. Uh, what circumstances, you know, make things a little bit more difficult that, like you said, we maybe can't see with our own eyes. So just be kind, I guess. might seem inconsequential, but it can mean the world to someone else. Yeah. What about you, Brooklyn? For me, the message I want to get out there is more a little bit more related to hearing health in general. If I had any advice, if you did like make an effort for your loved ones with hearing loss, you know, communication's a two-way street. And like you were saying, communication is our human connection. There's just so many communication strategies that we can make an effort to do. Making sure someone can see your face. Don't yell across the house to get someone's attention. It's not that hard to put closed captions on. You know, all of that good stuff. Um, you know, that might not change the world, but it might change that person's world, that person with hearing loss. So, Yeah. I love that. I love that because I think that with both of you combined, I think, Taylor, what you said, just a lot more kindness, right? Just be kind. Um, look up for once and look around and see how you can help, right? That's that's huge. That's some great advice. And I think that's also what, you know, just Hearing Charities of America and the Hearing Aid Project do stand for because it really is being a little more um, cognizant of what's going on around you, right? And just to take that step and be kind. And then, Brooklyn, I love how you brought in the fact that we can all help out and be be a little more assertive and just, you know, be a little more cooperative and say, okay, instead of, you know, rolling our eyes that we have to repeat ourselves again, just, you know, take that moment to say, okay, you know what? 
my grandma or my mom or my brother or whoever it is, my friend, my colleague is struggling to hear. And, you know, instead of just texting it or writing it down, say, okay, how can I make this better? So, you know, taking those two things and going into whoever's listening to this, you might not even be part of the audiology hearing world at all, but you might, um, come into contact or come into an opportunity where you're communicating with somebody that has a hearing loss. And, you know, Brooklyn made some great points on just, you know, facing that person or reducing that noise or taking that step, that extra step to learn a little bit more about what you can do. I think that's so important to bring awareness in um, really bringing these charities and these organizations. Yes, you're helping with bringing back hearing, but it's also more than the hearing part, right? And it's really trying to get that person back to communication, back to connection. And actually it will, to me, I honestly think that it will change the world because you bring one, you know, you bring happiness to one person and that's just going to ripple, right? It's going to have that ripple effect where, you know, that life is going to change because they're brought back into that connection piece. I think connection piece is one of the biggest things that people um, maybe take for granted, I should say, right? Because we just think it's all about hearing or all about listening or, um, you know, making that one um, connection or that one acquaintance, I should say. But it's not really until you make that connection, you have that feeling um, that you're able to either understand or empathize with what somebody else is going through, that you're really able to then change the world. So I think that mm-hmm. both of your um, both of your pieces of advice, you know, just combined together are wonderful. Well, thank you so, so, so much for bringing this to light for me as an audiologist, but also um, to my listeners. And um, I hope that people will um, get online. We're going to have all of the contact information in the show notes and really start to participate or um, really start to even share what you guys are doing so that other people can learn as well. So thank you so much for your time and for being here with me today. Thanks for having us. This is great. Thank you too. You're welcome. Thank you so much for tuning in to Connecting a Better World and thank you NOCO FM for supporting this show. If you haven't heard, NOCO FM is dedicated to bring diverse voices and spotlighting a unique culture to Fort Collins and beyond. For more information, please visit www.noco.fm. If you connected to something in this episode, we would love to hear from you. Our contact info will be listed in the show notes, as well as you can reach us on our social media channels. Please feel free to share our podcast with your friends and loved ones. For more shows, please tune in to noco.fm online. This is Loudspeaker.